Today on Unleashedcast, I talk to Paul Matthews from People Alchemy about learning outcomes. I've talked to Paul many times over the years, be it about learning transfer, learning workflows, any way essentially that learning and development professionals can do their job more effectively. But this time, Paul's talking about learning outcomes. What are you going to measure to get the outcomes that you want? And how will you know when you got there? That's the cut and thrust of my conversation with Paul. It's great to talk to him as always. So please enjoy this latest episode of Unleashcast. I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, measuring outcomes and the best way to do that. Does that sound fair enough? Yeah, that sounds, well, it's an essential part. And it's really good to be here again. It's all good to, always good to talk to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I think to kind of set the scene a little bit, we need to work out what you need before you can start measuring outcomes. And what would you consider that to be, Paul, from your experience? Um, well, before you can start measuring an outcome, you've got to know what it is. I mean, it sounds weird, but it's amazing how many training programs start when the outcomes, there's not a lot of clarity over what the outcomes are. Um, or some stakeholders think they're clear, but there's a different, you know, different stakeholders have different ideas about what the outcomes are. So you've clearly got to start with the end in mind. It's that old Stephen Covey thing. You need to know where you're going um, uh, to do that. And, and so what you've got to do is define those outcomes and get agreement across the different stakeholders who, who, who have a vested interest in what's going to happen. But define them in terms of observable terms. What will we see or hear or feel when those outcomes are achieved or if we don't achieve them? So it's actually quite useful to ask the stakeholder if we achieved at a 100% level what you're looking for, what would you get? What would you see? What would you hear? How would you know you personally, Mr. Stakeholder, how would you personally know that the program is 100% successful? And they then have to sort of go inside and figure out, well, how would I know rather than just, you know, what measures? And that might be something they observe. It might be some numbers on a it might be the, the delegates themselves behaving a certain way in the future in a few months' time. It might be figures on a spreadsheet. But a really interesting question is then to say, well, if it was only 50% successful, how would you know then that it was only 50%? And that makes them really think carefully about, you know, what are they personally using as measures? Uh, because ultimately when the programs run, they're going to be measuring it with their own sort of personal set of criteria, um, even if there's other measures in place. Um, so that's one thing, is that definition of outcome and agreement across the stakeholders of what those are and then get them signed off. Often, and that should be often behavioural terms, unless it's compliance training or something. But the other one you've got to figure out before you start measuring is, is what's a COI or a cost of inaction. If we don't do this for six months, what's it going to cost the organization? You've got to measure the downside of doing nothing because that then gives you a bit of an idea of where it sits in the grand priority of things. In effect, people who have a training need or a, or a learning need will be usually they're competing for limited resources to provide and service that need, whether that's internal or external resources. So the only way they can really compete or should be competing is is on the biggest cost of an action if you know so you really need a, a good idea of what that coi is mm. um, uh, before you start 
even thinking, well, what are we measuring? And then, of course, you're measuring in a way, well, did we avoid that cost of inaction is another way to think about what you're measuring. I think one of the first sort of well-worn cliches that I heard when I moved into uh, L&D publishing was, if you do train people, what if they leave? But if you don't train people, and what if they stay? And the idea that, you know, we're so focused on uh, return on investment, and rightly so, but um, the flip side of that, the cost of inaction, that's a really interesting um, way of looking at it, I think. Uh, yeah, it, you mentioned ROI, I, you know, why measure? And and I have a bit of a bugbear with some people who get so focused on the ROI stuff is it's almost like they're trying to say, we create an impact with our learning, therefore my salary or my budget is justified. Please keep paying me. And a lot of L&D people end up measuring with that as an implicit or even sometimes explicit kind of purpose behind the measurement is justifying the existence of L&D. I think actually that's, there's nothing kind of wrong with that, but I think it doesn't serve the organization that well. I think it's important to be thinking, measuring impact of learning and saying, well, how can we improve that impact? What are we trying to get to? And that doesn't necessarily mean a a, a monetary return on the investment because very often it's about the expectations of those stakeholders. And that's why we talk about ROE, obviously. And the expectations are based on what I said before. What are the internal kind of almost internal yardsticks those stakeholders are using for them to know whether a program's working or not? Because they must be using some kind of yardstick because in order for them to even ask for a program, they've already decided internally within themselves that a program is needed. So they're already using a set of measures to decide that things are not quite what they want them to be at the moment. So that set of measures is what the same set that is what they're going to use to understand whether the program's been successful or not. Um, so I think it's important to, if you're going to talk about ROI to know well, why you're doing it. it. It's it's better, I think, than justifying you know the existence of L and D or the budget is to to measure it in a way to are we achieving those outcomes that we agreed. And sometimes, of course, you you want to measure ROI just to satisfy the CFO's curiosity, perfectly honest, because he's he's written a check and he wants to know what he's getting for it. So sometimes you get you know dictated to, to to do some kind of return measures just because of the the CFO wants some numbers. Yeah, I I can uh, I can see that. But then the the next question is, what do you measure, and from I guess kind of what from what end do you measure? You know, are you, are you measuring, like you said? people's an increase in people's engagement and increase in productivity is it simply and productivity can be quite a nebulous way of kind of looking at things you need to kind of be a bit more exact in how you kind of define that but um wh what are you what are you uh classing as what you should measure i guess when it comes well, to this the measures you're going to use will depend on the outcomes you've already agreed because once you've got a set of outcomes then you're going to be measuring something that will help you prove whether those outcomes have been attained or not. So it's it's difficult to say what to measure. I mean, it may be you're measuring memorized info. Can they pass the test now and can they do it again in a month's time or two months' time? Pretty basic, not that useful in my view. Are you measuring observable behaviors? You know, are they doing the things that we want them to do? And are they still doing them in three months' time or six months' time? In other words, were they embedded and sustainable over that period? Um, 
So there's that. Uh, there are some other related KPIs you might be doing, uh, you know, times on calls in a call center or you know, fixed times or something like that. Um, and then you've got those measures that those individual stakeholders are using at a personal level. What is it that, I mean, it might be somebody might say, well, when I walk in the front door at nine o'clock in the morning, I want to feel X. That's a very personal measure that a stakeholder might be using about the culture, for example, and if the program is designed to move the culture a little bit or something like that. Um, so it's, it's very much depends on what the outcomes are. Until you have that set of outcomes and you've defined them in terms that can be measured, then you don't know what the measures are. Um, so it, it's really important that the outcomes are defined in terms that means you can measure them. In other words, they're observable in some way, whether that's a first-order effect because you can see people doing things or second- or third-order effects where they might turn up in some data or KPIs or something like that. To digress a little, uh, I've just been writing up a recent webinar that we held, and um, one of the participants on the webinar said something. I'm guessing... I've heard it before, not for a while, and it is slightly controversial in that she said, if we took away the learning and development department tomorrow, who who would notice uh, kind of thing? And I guess the she wasn't meaning to say that the profession is dead in the water. I think what she was trying to say is that we do have to look at the purpose of what you're doing and moving towards a facilitation kind of model and understanding your value is tied completely to the business and you're not just kind of cut off in some office kind of drawing up courses for the sake of it. So very much she was talking about the idea that outcomes is what taking the outcomes working backwards, like you said. Um, what do you think about that? Is that slightly is that slightly controversial, slightly unfair? Or um well no, I mean it's a fair question. If something suddenly disappeared, you know, who would notice? I think it's important for L&D to realize, as you say, they're part of the greater whole. They are part of the organization. They are a cell in a multicellular organism, not a separate thing sitting on the edge. Uh, and a lot of L&D departments almost, as you, they, they will sit in their, uh, in their, in their space and design and, and, and create programs, which someone will go and deliver. But it's somewhat divorced from the flow of the business often, and that's bad which is why you've got to talk to the stakeholders about what is it that you want to see as a result of this program? What's a really clear before and after snapshot? What is the gap between where we are now and where we want to be? And then what do we need to develop as a program to bridge that gap? Um, but you've got to define that gap and you've got to say, when we've crossed that gap, how do we know that we've done that? What are the things that we will observe that will prove to us we've crossed the gap or we've fallen in the chasm between, you know, or, or some other, you know, how do we know whether we've got those outcomes or not? They've got to be observable in some way. And so when you're back to smart goals, or it's measurable and observable and realistic and all the rest of it. You've got to be thinking in those kind of terms and define them in a way that a set of stakeholders can agree, yes, that's what I want. If we get that, then we are happy bunny stakeholders. And this is how we will know that we got that. And then that's really what you're working towards as an L&D person is, uh, you know, creating that set of outcomes on the assumption being that the outcomes being asked for by the business are the ones that will help them execute the organizational business strategy effectively. 
But that's not L&D's job. That's the business's job. So I think it's also really important that if people aren't performing or as productive as they need to be, that L&D doesn't sort of try and take on that problem or accept taking on the problem as the manager's problem. L&D should not accept it. They should say, we will help you fix that problem. How will you know it's fixed? How do we? How can we help with that process of getting it fixed? What are all the different things that might need doing, not just from a learning perspective, but from other things, environmental process and so on, which is why you need a proper behavioral diagnostics or a task analysis at the beginning to look at what are the jobs to be done and then how do we work to get to the point where those jobs can be done efficiently and effectively by the people who need to be doing them. So you start from that beginning, start with the end in mind. What are the jobs to be done and what do we need to be seeing and observing when those jobs are being done well? So that, and, and again, then from there, you can start flowing into how do we measure, what do we measure? And all of that depends on the measures that will actually prove to you one way or another, whether the outcomes are being achieved or not. Just to finish talking about, well, to continue talking about L&D's kind of role in, like you say, one cell in a multicellular organism, what a great way of putting it. The last question is about who's going to do the measuring. And I think the point I'm trying to get to here is that L&D isn't just learning and development's concern, the L&D function's concern or the HR function's concern, just as business performance isn't the C-suite's concern or the CFO's concern and and, uh, and all that kind of thing. So it's, I guess, a question, the larger picture, the bigger picture around this question is our roles are very overlapping these days and we all need an understanding of uh what the business is driving towards. So who's going to be doing the measuring? Is it just your L&D manager or who is it? I always find that kind of weird because if you go outside of L&D and let's talk about, or a simple example, a big machinery company, a big machine tooling company that's got a whole lot of, a whole big factory full of computer controlled numeric lathes and things. And a manager says, I want to buy a new lathe to replace that old one. That manager is the person who will go and look at vendors and decide which lathe they want to buy. They will build a business case to put that new lathe in, and they will be the one who will measure whether that lathe is producing as intended and sort out the ROI on the purchase of that new bit of machinery. It's not the vendor. And yet, strangely enough, in the L&D world, somehow L&D seems to think it's got to be responsible for sorting out the ROI. And the manager doesn't think they've got anything to do with that. And I think that's wrong. The manager is the one who's asking for and should be putting together a business case to, to buy, quote, unquote, L&D services in. And ultimately, they're the ones who I think should be doing a lot more in terms of sorting out whether that was a suitable intervention or not, in the same way that that person buying a, you know, a, a new machine tool has got to justify their purchase. And yes, that's a product versus a service, but it's equally well if you buy the service of um, a consultant or an accountant or or anybody, you've got to justify that spend as well uh, from someone. So who measures? I think it's important to realize it's got to be a joint effort at least. And ultimately, I think it's almost more the responsibility of the manager, although we're a long way away from that where the manager, and too often what's happening, the manager is just throwing something over the fence to get rid of it. 
I've got a problem team. Here it is. Throw them into the L&D and you fix them, your problem. And I'm, I'm going to go and do other things because that's what I do. I'm a manager. I don't fix broken people. So who measures is a really big question. And I, and I think there's a lot we need to think about there in terms of where the business case for the decision to buy rests. And that's the person who's going to have to think about, you know, doing it. So again, the manager is the one who ultimately has the problem. It's their KPIs that aren't being met. They're the ones who are having to deal with the performance issue. Um, they're the ones who own or should own the problem. Um, they're the ones who have to ultimately decide which of the different solutions will be used that are possible. L&D is to hear say, well, this is our offering. How can we help you pull that together with other bits and pieces? So lots of people involved. But I, I think it's an interesting question. Who measures? Perhaps what I've said is just a bit controversial. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it all speaks to a, a generally improved understanding of what learning and development does. It's importance. It's uh, increased profile, uh, certainly since uh, the pandemic, which thankfully feels a long time ago, um, although, uh, you know, there are certain echoes of it. Um, but uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, Paul, thank you so much. This is um, one of my, I guess, my last uh, interviews for Unleashcast. And so it's uh, good to sort of finish where I started. Paul, it was really good to speak to you today. Yeah, no, really good. And if anybody wants to find out more or ask me any questions, they're welcome to get in touch on LinkedIn or otherwise. And I'm happy to talk about that whole process of what to do up front before measuring and then how to measure and so on. So, yeah.